it's about that time. For the inside trim. You know that nasty trim. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? You better be ready, bro. Because you're about to get inside trip. And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? Oh, what's up, wrestling fans? We are definitely back. Episode number 32 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. You know me, Brandon Olinger, and as always, joined alongside my favorite co-host, Ben Watson. What up, what up, what up? And it just so happens that you are in for a special treat today as we have a special guest on the line with us. You know, the one, the only, Earl Smith from D1CollegeWrestling.net. What up, Earl? What's going on, gentlemen? I am honored and blessed to be with the Inside Trip today. Uh, wait a minute. That ain't Earl. Earl. That ain't Earl. Earl. Earl, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to see some ID. Is that Earl? That sounds like Mark Cody. That sounds like Mark Cody. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm 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 a little more handsome. handsome. No, no offense, Mark Cody. But yeah, I mean, he's better looking now. All right. So for any yeah. of our new listeners that we've picked up since, uh, well, the NCAA wrestling yeah. tournament, a little story. Uh, one night after all the fun action at the wrestling arena, we just happened to be at a local uh, watering hole establishment. And um, I come back probably from a bathroom break or something and walk up and Ben's like, hey, Brandon, that's Earl. And I'm like, Earl, Earl, who? He goes, Earl from D1 College Wrestling. And I'm like, where? He's like, right there. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, that ain't Earl, man. He's like, no, really, that's Earl. I'm you like, walked up to him. I did. I walked up and I was like, dude, you're not Earl. <laughs> Earl, what did you tell me? I was like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I am. He's I don't like, know what to tell you. And yeah. Like, like, you know, somehow my ID got brought out. <laughs> I made Earl show me his ID. Long story short, I had always just kind of glanced at <laughs> Earl's Twitter profile avatar, and the big picture, like who you could really see, just happened to have been this old dude, older dude, older dude, and who just so happens to be Mark Cody. <laughs> so I thought Earl was Mark Cody. I'm just like, you're not Earl. That ain't Earl. You're like Earl, some old guy. <laughs> and and since after that, you know, I've had a couple people who uh, told me they thought that was me too. So I guess you're not the only ones who, uh, you know, were confused by that. So I actually have changed my picture since then. Yeah, thank you. See, it wasn't just me. <laughs> well, anyway, as I said, we got Earl here with us. Earl is the founder of D1CollegeWrestling.net. It's a great wrestling website out there for all you D1 wrestling junkies, especially for you statist statistical nerds like all of us. He's got a lot of old information out there. Um, check out the website. You can follow Earl on Twitter, at EarlD1CW. Did I get that right, Earl? Yeah, and that was another thing I changed, too, because especially that weekend, there were a lot of people I met, and uh, <laughs> you know they didn't know me by Earl. They knew me by the D1CW Twitter, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Earl. And I had to explain myself, so uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe that's a little more uh, user-friendly or whatever. You see what happens, Earl. You meet us, and we make it better for we, you, we right? Make you figure it all out. And already, already, just a couple months, man. <laughs> so what are we doing here today, gentlemen? Well, before we get to that, let okay. me just go ahead and tell everybody, you can find us on Twitter, oh, yeah. at the Inside Trip one We've even got a Facebook page out there, The Inside Trip. Find it, like it, 
post some stuff, talk to us, whatever you want to do. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you know where to find us, but just in case you stumbled upon us accidentally, thank you. Don't stop listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Spreaker, SoundCloud, lots of other podcast catchers. Just go out there, find it, subscribe to it, download it, listen, rate, comment, review, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. And if you want to send us an email, you can do so to the inside trip one at gmail.com. Earl, can they send you an email? Yeah, it's it. Earl at D1CollegeWrestling.net. And uh, I also have the Sudden History podcast. I'm on a little bit of a hiatus right now. Hopefully soon I'm going to have uh, a new show, probably with a guy that we're all going to talk about uh, within the next hour or so. Ooh, I can't wait. And for anybody that hasn't listened to the Sudden History Wrestling podcast, which it can't be that many people, go out there, find it, listen to it. Look, Earl has got the most soothing voice. We like to oh, say he reads us bedtime brackets. No joke, Earl. One day I called off work because I wasn't feeling too well, and I just cuddled up on the couch, and I listened to your podcast the majority of the day, and I felt <laughs> soothed like my mama reading me bedtime stories. Chicken noodle soup and Earl. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I, I uh, you know, worked for a while as a 911 dispatcher, and uh, you know I'm a relaxed guy anyways, but you know, just having to talk to people like that, uh, it kind of – help me even be more soothing i guess if that's a phrase or whatever heck yeah well speaking of that somebody called 911 because this podcast is about to be on fire <laughs> I, I think so that's funny you know what or i think i think you could have another podcast out there called you know chicken noodle soup and bedtime brackets brought to you by earl i, just, I might do that just putting it out there <laughs> all right all right so let's tell them what we're doing today um, this is actually a fun podcast. We hope that you guys are going to enjoy listening to this as much as we've enjoyed doing the research on it. Um, we're, this isn't anything groundbreaking. It's been done probably multiple times. People have written articles about it. In fact, Earl, I think your first two podcasts were done on this exact topic. Um, but yes, that is correct. Yes. So, kind, but you're kind enough to come on here with us today, kind of put us in check on some statistical things. I'm sure. Um, ultimately, what we're going to do is we're going to break down for you guys. Um, who we each feel is our top 10 list of guys to have not won a national championship. Now, there is some criteria. We're only going back to 1999 on this. Um, ideally, we're choosing guys that started their career in 1999 or later. Um, why 1999, you ask? Well, tell them, Ben. That's when the weight class was like, weight classes were changed. Yes, exactly. Uh, Earl, can you fact check that for us? That is correct, right? That is correct, yes. So 1999 is when the weight classes were changed to what the current D, uh, college wrestling weight classes are today. Um, 125, 33, 41, 49, 57, 65, 74, 84, 97, and the big boys at 285. Um, we had some other criteria, did we or did we not? I don't think there was any other criteria. Was that really the basic criteria? Yeah, have fun. Oh, I had to be on the list. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, you know, Ben, I'm sorry. You almost made my list. Had this had this been a top guys doing this podcast that never won a match at the NCAA tournament, you would be on that list. <laughs> I'd be number one. You would be number one. <laughs> All righty. All right, so I think we agreed, Earl, Ben, that we were going to each talk about maybe some honorable mentions, some special mention sure. guys that didn't make our top ten, and then we're just going to get into our top ten. Um, I think each of us will take turns kind of going first. Earl, I got you kicking us off today doing number 10. But before we do, Earl, talk about some of your honorable mention or special mention guys. 
Okay, yeah, I had uh, five honorable mention guys, and and just so you know, I'm going to get out there and break down my criteria a little bit. Um, I just went, you know, basically on college results. Um, You know, you can use freestyle, Greco, uh, post-collegiate stuff. Uh, Me, I just kind of kept it to college, tried to, uh, you know, not – not take that into consideration with some of these guys. And for me, I also like uh, the big body of work, uh, you know, rather than maybe a guy that had a great senior season, for instance, like Scott Moore from UVA he had over 50 wins as a senior, pinned a ton of dudes, but, you know, the body of work doesn't measure up as you know much as some of these other guys. So that's just a little preface, I guess, for mine. Um, so, do you want me to just uh, list these guys when we're talking about our honorable mentions or kind of talk about them? You know what? If you just want to list them, if you want to say a couple of snippets about, you know, one or all of them, Earl, this is your time to speak, man. Do your thing. All right. All right. So I got uh, one of my honorable mentions is Jake Percival, an Ohio guy. He was a four-time All-American for Ohio University, finished at 157, four-time All-American. I also have Ryan Lewis from Minnesota. He was a 133-pounder and uh, a two-time NCAA runner-up. Also in that, also my honorable mentions, Tyrone Lewis, four-time All-American Oklahoma State, mostly a 65-pounder, and uh, he was an NCAA runner-up as a senior. Um, I also have another Ohio guy in my honorable mentions, that's Lance Palmer, four-time All-American for Ohio State at 149. And it's, this thing isn't scrolling as fast as I'd like it to. That's all but right. Eric Tannenbaum, four-time All-American for Michigan, finished second as a senior. And uh, he was a 165-pounder his final two seasons. So those are my five honorable mention guys. Nice. You've had- I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys will mention them later on. I don't know. I have no doubt that we're probably going to have either some guys on the same list, some guys that were in your honorable mention or my honorable mention that's going to be on Ben's list and vice versa. I'm telling um, you, our lists are going to be different, though. Our, yeah. our lists are going to be different. I can tell you that right now. All right, so I'll go ahead and kick it off next with my honorable mention. Before I do, i got to tell you guys, I was doing this, and I'm sure like both of you guys, when I started out, I had like a list of you know, 30-plus 30, oh 30 guys. Um, yep. I, I know you stuck with basically uh, college wrestling results, Earl. Awesome. Uh, my criteria when I was looking at this was a little bit different. Um, I tried to look at the whole body of work as well, but I took into consideration how hyped were guys coming out of high school? What you know? What were some of their high school careers like? What was their entire college career like? Um, and then maybe what they even did post-collegiately on the international scene as well. So it kind of allowed me a little bit of more freedom. It also made my list <laughs> either narrowed down in some aspects or larger in other aspects. Um, but my honorable mention, just to kind of run through it real quick. Um, the first guy, and this was a tough one for me because I actually wanted to put him in my top 10, but he got bumped out ultimately. Um, but it's Kyle Lott. Kyle Lott was a uh, 125-pounder for the University of Illinois. He was an Ohio guy. He was a three-time state champ, should have been a four-timer, lost in the semis as a freshman to, uh, I think it was Deontay Penn, right? One of the Penn brothers. Yeah, one of the Penns. I think it was the Penn that actually went on and took fourth for Edinburgh later later in his college career. Um, Kyle Lott actually avenged that loss in the state tournament for third and fourth. 
Um, he was a two-time cadet world team member. He was a high school national champ. Um, I think what a lot of people don't realize about Kyle Lott was he had a devastating knee injuries. Knees and elbows. Yeah, where he had you know multiple, multiple surgeries. In fact, if you could just Google Kyle Lott's knee, you're going to see some pretty nasty stuff um, where basically his knee was dead, like the skin on his knee was dead. So my understanding is he only had two trips to the national tournament because of injuries. Um, in both of those trips, he finished as runner-up. He got teched his junior year by Jason Powell, seventeen to two. Um, I'm going to assume Powell got on top and turned him. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what um, senior yeah, year, I believe I got the first takedown too. Yeah, uh, right. Correct. Um, senior year, he made the finals again. Um, he lost two zero to Joe Dubuque. I truly believe, had Kyle Ott been fully healthy, he would have won at least one yeah, national. He wouldn't title. Even be on this list. Correct. So that's kind of a sentimental pick to me. Um, another guy that I've got in my honorable mention, and I went back and forth on this guy. I think he probably should have been in the top ten. I have no doubt that he's going to be in your top ten, Earl, um, is Chris Flieger for Purdue. Um, yeah, honorable mention, right? Guy was a three-time All-American. Um, the only reason he was a three-time All-American only was because he was academically right. ineligible one year. Um, went, what, 3-2-2? Two, two. Um little tidbit about him. Well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to steal your guys' thunder. You Thank guys you. will have lots of tidbits. Um, but the reason why he's in my honorable mention was because he was only a one-time Big Ten champ. <laughs> All right? Yep. <laughs> Win yep. more Big Ten championships, damn it. Um, after that, I got Dylan Ness in my honorable mention. He was only a four-time All- All-American from Minnesota from 2011 to 2015. Two-time runner-up as well. Um, only one one Big Ten title. Um, I've got Ryan Chirella on my list as an honorable mention. Um, there's a case to be made that he shouldn't even be on any of these lists. We all know that he had Johnny Hendricks pinned <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the national, in the national championships. Um, and then after that, my last honorable mention is another Homer pick um, is Lance Palmer. Ultimately, I think you said it, Earl, he was a four time all American Lance Palmer was so hyped coming out of high school. Um, but if you really watched him closely as a college wrestler, his offense was pretty one-dimensional. He really didn't have the offense to uh, to beat a lot of the upper-level guys. Um, he did have a Big Ten title over Brent Metcalf, which is a great win. He beat uh, Frank Molinaro a few times as well. Um, so, yeah, that's my honorable mention right there. Ben, who you got on yours? Okay, so, uh, you know, everybody that knows me knows that I uh, am very indecisive, so I actually have more honorable mentions, but I won't spend as much time discussing them then. Uh, my honorable mentions are Ryan Shirella, Dylan Ness, Corey Cooperman, who uh, went seven three three and uh, missed weight uh, one of the years. James Green, Dustin Minotti, four-time All-American from Cornell. Jacob Volkman, who was not really hyped coming out of high school from Minnesota. He was a three-time All-American, finishing, I think, 3-4-3 three, three around there. Uh, I have Kyle Ott as an honorable mention, Jason Welch, and four-time All-American Logan Storley. Ooh. All right. All right. So those are my honorable mentions. James Green is an honorable mention. We'll see if anybody has him in a top ten. Here's my thought. Jason Welch finished above him in both of their national appearances. How do you put Green in your top ten but not Welch? Well, you didn't put either. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna yeah, give you a hint. I actually don't have James Green on there, so I may or may not. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that's rock and roll. All right, so let's, now get, let's into get down to it, baby. <laughs> let's get into the top ten. Earl, go ahead and kick us off with your number ten. Okay, and another preface is, and I'm going to actually break this right now. I'm, you know, getting to like old fart status. So, like, you know, the guys that were 
wrestling 15 years ago, those guys are, you know, they're better than these guys. You know, the new guys can't hold a torch to the old guys. So most of my guys are, you know, from a kind of earlier era. But my number 10 guy is Thomas Gilman. Ooh. I have him as a three-time All-American going fourth, second, and third, 107-12 and 12 record, three-time Midlands champ. Um, we probably all know undefeated top seed senior year off of his first Big Ten title. Over the course of his career, he has two wins against the eventual NCAA champion in that season. That was against Tomasello in a duel in 15 and Jesse Delgado at the Midlands in 2014. Yep. So that 2014 season, he won the Midlands as a freshman, and it was the season where he didn't even end up starting in the postseason because of Corey Clark. Um, and I'm going to mention it because I know he listens to your show. He's your guy. He's my guy. He also beat a post-grad Gerard Garnett in the finals that year. Um, That's right. At the Midlands. Um freshman year he beat the eventual champ sixth place finisher dylan peters and seventh place darian cruz so beating three all-americans in a season where you don't even wrestle at the conference or national that's pretty impressive 12 career losses nine of those came in his freshman or sophomore seasons um eight of his 12 losses came to wrestlers who finished in the top three that particular season and if you want to break it down even more, he has one of those losses. Um, one of those four losses were to Joey Dance, who did not All-American that particular year, but he was always a you know two to five ranked guy. So aside from his senior season, he actually wrestled above his seed both prior years at NCAs. As a sophomore, he was the sixth seed, finished fourth, and as a junior, he was the fourth seed and finished second. So that is my case for Thomas Gilman. Dang, Earl, killing us with the stats. I love it. Way more stats. Love it. I'm just letting you know that right now. <laughs> no, that's a great pick. <laughs> that, that's an interesting pick, Earl. I got to be honest, man. Um, I don't have him on my list at all. Me neither. And I just don't. Yeah, but I tell you what, Earl makes a great I, point for him. Yeah, Earl, Earl made a great, a great argument for it. I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to or think that he was on there, but you know, I kind of explored his his. Uh, career and i was like wow that's i feel like i have to put him on there it's a heck of a career plus let's even throw out there he was a highly highly touted recruit coming out of high school yeah. four-time nebraska state champ um we know what he just did you know his little run to make the world team this yeah. year so now i think that's a great pick it's crazy that he couldn't even start as a freshman because uh, of uh, Corey clark after he won midlands yep. that's nuts yep all right so i'm gonna go ahead and go next my number 10 my number 10 is mitchell port from edinburgh Mitchell Port wrestled for Edinburgh from 2011 to 2015. He had a career record of 132 and 17. After making the round of 12 as a freshman, he ended up being a three-time All-American. He went second as a sophomore, third as a junior, and then second as a senior. Now, he was only a one-time PA state champ coming out of high school. Of his 17 college losses, 10 losses came his freshman year. It's the only year he didn't All-American. His sophomore year, he upset top-seeded Hunter Stieber to make the NCAA Finals before losing in a close match 4-3 to Kendrick Maple. His junior year, his only loss the entire season was at NCAAs. He was the number one seed that year, and he got upset in the second round by Evan Henderson, who he actually came back to avenge that loss for third and fourth. I think he might have even majored. He beat him 9-1. 9-1, as Ben yep. says. Um 
Oh, by the way, he was the one seed that year because that's actually the year that Logan Stieber lost to Zane Rutherford in the duel. Um, he beat Zane Rutherford that year as well in the NCAA tournament in the consoles and the Conti semis before he ended up meeting Henderson for third and fourth. Um, then his senior year, he lost in the finals. I mean, he, he made the finals against Logan Stieber. Logan Stieber ultimately, you know, won that match pretty handily. I think it was nine to five or something. Um, the reason he's on this list for me, because unlike a lot of other guys who might have been two-time finalists or multiple-time All-Americans, I think he was actually a victim of Logan Stieber, to be truthfully honest. Had Logan Stieber not been in his weight class that senior year, there's no doubt in my mind that Mitchell Port was the second-best guy, and he would have won that weight class. So, number 10, Mitchell Port from Edinburgh. By the way, he was also a three-time EWL champ. How about that? And so my number 10 is... Wisconsin's own Tyler Graff, who competed from 2010 to 2014. Uh, coming out of high school, he's a four-time Colorado State champ. He finished with a um, All-American finishes of 5-5-3-2. Five, five, and, and I think in 2010, when he finished fifth, he actually had one of his toughest brackets. Listen to this. He finished behind Champs Ness, a champ in Gomez, a champ in Jordan Oliver, and a finalist in Olympian, Dan Dennis. Those are the people he finished behind. He finished behind a very game Dan Mitchis. Michif and Borsh Navashkov. 2011, he then again finished behind Jordan Oliver and Andrew Long and Scotty Santes. Um, lost to Santes in jail. But then afterwards, you know, he had some tight battles with Ramos, who went on to actually win a title. He lost to Ramos 6-4 to in 2013. He beat Shop. He beat Dardanes. And we both, I think everybody knows that those are some household names um, lately. In fact, uh, you know, AJ Shop's no slouch at all. You know, he could have been... You know, consider for me for an honorable mention. And also finished above uh, eventual national champ Cody Brewer. And in 2014, he again lost to Logan, or excuse me, to Tony Ramos. That was uh, the stare down to end all stare downs. Do you remember that? I do. When they were sitting in the finals and looking at each other. Uh, he beat Brewer, who was a national champ, and Joey Colon, and finished above shop there. I just thought that he had some pretty good uh, NCAA finishes. And was it's hard to be a four-time All-American, so I have him as my number 10. That's interesting. Let me ask you something, Earl. I don't, without giving anything away, do you have Graf on your list at all? Um, you know, he was one of the ones I considered, and the reason I didn't have him is looking at his elite wins. Um, Joe Cologne, the the one that uh, Ben mentioned, was the only guy that he beat over his course of his career that was uh, finished top three at the NCAs in that particular season. So, you know, I felt like he always beat the guys that maybe he should have beat but uh, didn't, you know, upset those guys above him. You know, and that being said, the guys that Ben mentioned that were above him, you know, were pretty, pretty bad. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Interesting pick, Ben, but I like it. All right, let's get down to number nine. Earl, kick it off, man. Okay. Number nine, I've got from Lehigh, the Vermonster, Robert Hamlin. Um, he was a guy that had a 172 career record. He, rapidly improved he wasn't a big recruit coming out of high school he went from fourth in the eiwa as a freshman zero and two at nationals at 174 pounds a year later he's in the ncaa finals at 184 so he he was a three-time all-american going second fourth and second he twice defeated the NCAA, eventual ncaa champion at his weight class he beat quentin wright 2011 steve bosak 2012 he actually owned Bosak pretty well, uh, five and one career record against him. He won two EIWA titles, beating Bosak both times. Uh, out of those 22 career losses, 
12 of them came his freshman year. He was a Midlands uh, champion, two-time finalist, and three times he was a top three seed at Nationals, uh, second, second, and third. That's, uh, that's Robert Hamlin. He's the guy that lost to Austin Trotman in, that, uh, in the semis, right? Was it him? No, that was Joe LeBlanc. Uh, no, I think no he, he, lost to, he lost to Trotman, I think, for third place that year. Okay, I knew they wrestled. That's what kept him off my list, oh, but I shouldn't have ruined that, but go ahead. Interesting. Yeah, and and when, I, when I broke down mine and uh, from that first podcast I did, I did a bunch of pros for each guy and a bunch of cons. So that, what you mentioned about Trotman, that was kind of on my con side of it if you wanted to make an argument against him. Gotcha. That's a good pick, That's a good pick yeah, though. He, I was mean... on my, he was on my list of top 31. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Same here. All right. Um, all right. I'm going to go ahead and go, get into my number nine right now. This one – I was actually super shocked that this guy never won a title. Um, he was a four-time All-American for Northwestern. Wrestled for him from 2011 to 2015. The man only lost four matches at the NCAA tournament his entire career. And the fact that he did so as a heavyweight is unreal. His career record was 103-23. and 23. Eleven of those losses came his freshman season, and that's Michael McMullen, heavyweight for Northwestern. I thought after we saw him finish third his freshman year, I thought for sure he was going to win a national title. I mean, here's a guy that had wins over NCAA champs, Tony Nelson, Nick Gwazowski, um, and multiple other wins over big-time heavyweights. And if you take a look at him, and really 103 wins and 23 losses, you take away you know, 11 of those losses his freshman year. I mean, he's down to what? What is that, 12? 12 losses. Four of them, only four losses at the national tournament. Um, I was always shocked that he never won a national championship. He was only a one-time Big Ten champ, but the Big Ten was actually pretty dominant. The, heavyweight the heavyweights were super deep during that time. Um, so Mike McMullen, number nine for me, man. Couldn't believe he never won a title. Well, remember with McMullen also, he was battling a Tony Nelson who he was the Gwizdowski before Gwizdowski, right? Nobody could beat him. Correct. So – you know, he, and then he beat, I think, well, never mind. I'll get into that later because I, I do have McMullen <laughs> on my list as well. Uh, my number nine is none other than Mr. Inside Trip, Christopher Flieger from Purdue. Um, he competed from the years of 2002 to 2006. I think there was maybe a little bias there. I think he's deserving of being on the list. Um, there might be some bias there because I loved watching him wrestle because that was about the time where I was, you know, started to wrestle in college at lightweight. Uh, he made the semis as a freshman. Uh, and wrestled this guy named Steven Abbas and inside tripped the crap out of him. It was a sick, nasty, like, so he hits his inside trip oppo, mm-hmm. you know. It was awesome. I think it was the only offensive point scored on Abbas in the entire NCAA tournament that year. Um, and you know who he finished above that year also at that tournament was uh, eventual champs Powell and Travis Lee. In 2003, he finished above Powell again and four-time All-American Nick Simmons lost to Travis Lee in a nail-biter 6-4. to four. Some would say that he should have, you know, many would say that he should have won, ma- won the NCAA title there. And then he had, took a couple years off. I think there was a redshirt year and then a year with grade issues. And then he made the finals again in 2006 up, um, in uh, losing to Valenti. He finished a bunch above guys such as Bunch, Ryder, Klum, and Nathan Morgan. I truly think he's one of the most talented, re- talented wrestlers to never win a title um, you know, I could I, I could even make an argument that he could be higher on the list. Yeah, I went back and forth. I mean, I feel dumb for not having him on my list, but you know, 
Not all of our lists can be the same. No, I'm glad they're not. <laughs> and and I, I, I might have him on my list as well. I'm, I'm sure he's pretty high on your list. <laughs> all right, Earl, <laughs> what you got, man? Kick us off. Number eight. Okay, speaking of higher, this is a guy that I'm going to guess that maybe you guys have him higher than I do, and I think uh, most people kind of have him maybe a little higher than I do, but I have Nick Simmons at number eight. Um, I have him as a four-time All-American, seventh, fourth, fourth, and third, 138-20 and 20 record, uh, three-time Big Ten champ, and in since 2000, the only other non-NCA champion that was a three-time Big Ten champ was uh, Ryan Torella, you guys mentioned yep. earlier. Yep. Um, three-time Midlands champ, and since he's wrestled, only Metcalf, Herbert, and now Thomas Gilman have been three-time Midlands champs. He was a top seed at Nationals as a junior and senior. His junior year, he was undefeated coming in Nationals. Out of those 20 losses, 12 of them came as a freshman. Wow. And his last three years, um, seven of his eight losses came to guys that finished in the top three. Um, the only outlier is your Ohio guy, uh, TJ Enright, his senior year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know who TJ Enright two... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, bro. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say T.J. Enright beat Kyle Lott in high school. A little knowledge there for you. Yep. Did he really? Yeah. So he, he also had two wins over eventual NCAA champions, beating Dubuque in 2005, Valenti 2007, and Valenti was a returning champion at that point as well. And he had six career wins over NCAA finalists. So that is uh, Nick Simmons. Wow. That's... Dude, I love it. That's a great point to be made. I love it. He may or may not be on my list. Earl, I don't have him on my list. And I didn't forget about him. Okay. I just I just didn't realize all the things that you just said. Yeah. And it gets even better Boy, too. It's it's funny and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and uh, you know, I, I like Nick. Um, you know, he's a he's a cool guy. Um a couple years ago I was talking to a notable NCA champion and I kind of threw out this topic to him to see what uh, what his list was, you know, what his thoughts, and he didn't mention Nick. And I said, you know, Nick Simmons. And he's like, well, you know, the guy, you know, awesome on top, but he didn't have a go-to takedown in a three to two match that would win it for him. Yep. So, you know, he didn't have the elite level offense and uh, that's kind of always stuck in my mind. Interesting point. And I think that's probably why he lost the Kyle lot in the semis one year, right? Yeah. Yep. And that was also, I think, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's some sort of goofy stoppage or something that yeah. happened in that match. It was, it was kind of weird. Yeah, it, realistically speaking, too, I think Kyle Lott prevented Nick Simmons from being a national champ that year because that's the year the one seed got upset and Dubuque ended up Dubuque in the won. finals. Yeah. Yep. All right. What do you say, Brian? What do you say, B.O.? What are we on, number nine? Number eight, buddy. Number eight, sorry. Number eight. Um, so this is a another kind of a homer pick for me. Um, I'm, I'm a little partial to some, some of my Ohio guys. Leroy Vega right now. I'm not going Leroy Vega. Um, <laughs> so my number eight wrestled for Ohio University from 2001 to 2005. Who? You know, I think, uh, Earl, you mentioned him in your honorable mention. He had a 142-10 and 10 career record. He was a four-time MAC champ, and that's Jake Percival. And really... Jake Purcell was a four-time All-American. He finished fourth as a freshman, fifth as a sophomore. He made the finals as a junior, losing in the finals, and then he took third as a senior. And 
a lot of people know the story about senior Mike Zadick from Iowa vying for that elusive national title. He ends up meeting Percival in the quarterfinals at, uh, what year was that? Was that 2005 or 2006? I'm sorry, Uh, 2002? 2001. 2002, yeah. So Mike Zadick runs into Jake Percival in the quarterfinals at 2002, I believe, uh, NCAA championships. And, you know, everybody thought this was the year that Zadick was going to win the yeah. title. And not only did Percival beat him, it Percival broke him. It was an 18-4 to major decision. He kept on putting victory. him on the back, dude. And, I, yeah, Zadick said, I don't want to play no more. Yeah. Um, on top of that, you know, he had multiple wins over NCAA champ Ryan Bertine. Oh, yeah. He beat Trent Paulson. He had wins over Brian Stith. Um, Jake Percival was a guy that, you know, I th- he was pretty highly recruited coming out of high school. He was a one-time champ, three-time finalist out of Ohio. I think he might have been one of the top-ranked uh, top-ranked 149-pound recruits, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but ultimately, never got it done. Who did he lose to in the finals his junior year? Uh, Matt Gentry. Was it Gentry? Was a yeah. former Olympian. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, just – how he started off his career, I thought he was going to win a title. Unfortunately, never did. So that's my number eight, Jake Percival, Ohio University. What about you, Ben? I like it. Um, my number eight, and this guy was one of the guys that I struggled with. You know, actually, is he going to be put in? Is he going to be out? Um, I kind of, I don't know. All right, so my number eight's Mike Poeta, and you guys can all you know yell at me and say that that was a bad pick. You know, as a as a freshman, he was around a twelve. He lost to Travis Paulson. Um, in the NCAAs, uh, but he was a okay, three-time All-American. He took the reason why I have him so high is he was three-two-two, so he never finished low at the NCAA tournament when he placed. Okay, and I think there's something to be said about only losing one match at the NCAA tournament when we're talking about guys that have never won it. You know, so let's let's scrap his first year. After that, he lost a mat, one match each year in the NCAA's. Um, in 2007, he lost to Trent Paulson four in the semis. He beat Coker and he finished ahead of a very game Josh Zupanzik, who was a couple time All American from Stanford. In 2008, he lost a, a, cha- a eventual champion um, Jordan Lean. I don't know if Lean won it that year. He beat Dan Villamont in the semis. Finished ahead of champion Gregor Gillespie. Finished ahead of Brandon Becker. Again, finished ahead of Zupanzik and then Kyler. Or, is it Siler or Kyler Sanderson? Kyler. I, I forget how to say it. Kyler. And then um, in 2009, he beat Jordan Lean in the semis before he lost to a guy by the name of Jordan Burroughs in the finals. Finished ahead of Gillespie, who was a champ, Lean, who was a champ, and Pammy, who um, you know is a, a household name on the international circuit now. So. I think he had some pretty tough weight classes. He beat some guys that ended up winning uh, titles, but just couldn't quite get it done. So Mike Poet is my number eight guy. I think it's a good pick, Ben. Honestly, I like, it. I, I like I that. I love it. And you might find him higher on some other people's list too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's get on to number seven. Earl, what you got, bro? Okay, this is a guy that, uh, you know, <clears throat> when people are doing these lists, I, I see him getting left off. Uh-oh. But uh, I love it. It's uh, Craig Brester from Nebraska. Um, yeah, he was yeah. a initially a walk-on 174 pounder. Uh, finishes with a 109-21 career record, three-time All-American, fourth, second, second. He had the last collegiate victory over Jake Varner in the 2009 Big 12 Championship. Um, he was a four tw- four-time. Big 12 finalist. That's on the whole bit of a tongue twister. Uh, one-time champion. He got the one seat at Nationals after that victory over Jake Varner. 
eight of his 21 career losses were to, excuse me, were to the NCAA champion in his championship year. He lost six times to Varner. He lost to Phil Davis in 2008 and Josh Glenn in 2007. Um, Looking at kind of the upward trajectory of his career, he had four early losses to Max Asprin. 2009, he's 2-0 against him. Hudson Taylor, same thing, lost to him at Nationals 2008. He's 2-0 against him in 2009 and 2010. He lost seven matches in his junior and senior year. Only one of them was not to Jake Varner, and that's when he lost to Clayton Foster in 2009, and Foster wasn't an All-American at that point. Mm -hmm. And he was also a two-time Las Vegas champion. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, you're right – what you said at the very beginning, Earl, that a lot of people, you don't find him on these lists. And I think the very first thing that you said is kind of what did it for me a little bit. He had an amazing collegiate career, but I don't think he was, you know, going back to my career criteria, he was a walk-on. He wasn't super highly touted coming out of high school. Oddly, though, because he had a 150-4 and high school record. That's crazy. (laughs) Not super touted. He didn't even cross my mind, though. So, I mean, really good catch, Earl. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he gave Jake Varner his last collegiate loss, I mean, that shows you how... How, how freaking good he was. Yeah. All right, my turn. Let me get up to my list. Number seven is... Well, for number seven, I got to go with a guy that wrestled for two schools during his collegiate career. He was a four-time All-American. Um, spent his first half of his career at Oklahoma. Um, and then when his coach, Sammy Henson, left, he decided to go elsewhere. So he transferred to Oklahoma State, and that's Tyler Caldwell. Yeah, he wrestled uh, from 2009 to 2014. He was a four-time All-American, finishing fifth as a freshman, a true freshman, I might add, runner-up as a sophomore. He took third as a junior and then runner-up as a senior. He had 126 and 29 career record. He was a four-time Kansas State champ. He had a high school career record of 150 and four. You know, the fact that he came in at a pretty brutal weight class, if you, if you recall, and took fifth as a true freshman. That included at least two future NCAA champs and another eventual finalist. Um, he lost in the finals to two of the greatest wrestlers. Well, actually, if you think about it, let me see, let me scratch that. His only three losses after his freshman year at the NCAA tournament came to three of the best wrestlers of our of the past decade of our generation, and that was to Jordan Burroughs. Kyle Dake in the semis, mm-hmm. and then David Taylor in the finals again. Um, I think had Burroughs not been in his weight class, had David Taylor not been in his weight class, um, I, I think there's no doubt that he would have won a national title. Um, he also had, I think, multiple wins. I know he at least had one, maybe multiple wins over Andrew Howe, who was himself an NCAA champ. So at number seven for me, I got to go with Tyler Caldwell, man. That's a great pick. That's, that's, that's a great he- pick. I'm sorry to cut you off, Ben. He he was uh, the number one guy kind of left off my list, and I kind of wanted to put him on there. Yeah, you, but, uh, you, you know, forgot yeah, about him, Earl. You forgot totally about him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you got me. You got yeah, me. It's to me, when I look back on his career, it's like it's not one of those ones where I look at a Tyler Graff, you know, who had a great career, but there was just so many guys that were just better than him. I truly think okay. that – Tyler Caldwell was just a victim of three of the greatest wrestlers of the last decade or even collegiate wrestlers in general and Jordan Burroughs, David Taylor, and Kyle Dake. So that's why he makes my list coming in at number seven. What about you, Ben? I like it. So number seven, I got a guy who might be a little high um, for the list, but I really loved to watch him wrestle. And I, 
so, uh, you know, to do, do a little talk about my criteria, a lot of it is stat- statistically driven, and a lot of it is how high did they finish the NCAA tournament. But also it's, hey, were you a pretty damn good wrestler or not? You know? And uh, for number seven, I have Mitchell Port. Brandon, I think you had him at number nine or ten. Ten. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Port. He was around a 12 as a uh, freshman, and his losses there were to Montel Marion and Michael Mangrum. So two pretty legit guys. And to make him around a 12 as a freshman is also legit. And then after that, all he did was go 2-3-2. Two, two. So, again, only one loss apiece. Um, made the finals as a sophomore and lost to Maple, who I think was undefeated that year, 4-3 um, to three in a tight one. Um, and a healthy Hunter Steber – or no, excuse me, in 2000 – okay, yeah, in 2012 – I was saying the bracket also included Kellen Russell, Mary, Navashkov, Kendrick Mabel, and a healthy Hunter Stieber. That's the year he did an All-American. I apologize. Um, in 2013, he made the finals. Again, like I said, lost to Maple, uh, who was undefeated that year. And then he beat number one seed, undefeated Hunter Stieber in the semifinals. And that was the year everybody was pumped about who's going to win, Stieber or Maple, right? Remember all that talk? Uh, well, you know what? Mitchell Port crashed that party. In 2014, I think he probably had his worst NCAA um uh, appearance when he lost to Evan Henderson five to three in I think the second round of the quarters, one of those two, and it was a shocking match because then uh, Devin Carter ended up beating Henderson pretty easily to make the finals, and then Logan Steber uh, beat him up there. Um, but then he beat him again nine to one for third and fourth. He did beat Zane Rutherford in that tournament uh, to knock Zane down into the fifth and sixth place matches in 2015. Nothing else you can say about that. He beat Anthony Ashnall, finished ahead of Heil who we now all know is a pretty damn good wrestler, uh, Kevin Jack, and lost uh, to Logan Steber in the finals. So I got him as number seven. I thought he was a great wrestler. Earl, I'm just curious. Do you have Port on your list? Um, no, you know what? I didn't, and uh, that it might have been an oversight, but uh, I guess maybe I counted his, uh, his freshman year against him maybe too much. Yeah, no, and the reason why I asked that because I had a feeling you you probably didn't have him on your list. Ben, as you said, he was number ten on my list. Look, we I, like we like him a lot. I remember watching Mitchell Port wrestle, especially those last two years, and he was about as dominant as you could be, with the exception of when he was wrestling Logan Steber. To be well, truthfully even he honest, he gave Steber a real tough match in their duel. Right. Yeah. So yep. I mean, yeah, I got no issues with being being on the list. I think he had a hell of a career, man, and definitely one of the best guys I've seen wrestle at the NCAA tournament in the last five years. All right, what are we on? Are we on number six? Six, baby. Take it away, Earl. Okay, number six, I've got uh, Sam Hayswinkle. Um, you know, versatile dude. You know, after after high school, after high school, after college, he, you know, made freestyle and Greco teams. He was a four-time All-American, third, 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 second. Uh, 132 and 10 record. Um, of those 10 losses, five were to the eventual NCAA champion, and five of his ten losses were as a freshman. He was a three-time Big 12 champ, and that included uh, you know weight classes with guys like Coleman Scott and Jason Powell. Um, he was twice the top seed at nationals in 2005, 2007, and 2007. That was the first NCAA championships that I went to in person. And I remember you know Oklahoma at the time wasn't really a contender, and uh, I think everybody was happy to see him get into the finals. He had uh, Paul Donahoe. They kind of yeah. figured that uh, he, he had majored him at the Big 12. Everybody figured it's uh, you know his time to get his title, and, and he didn't. And it was uh, it was heartbreaking, even though you know I wasn't necessarily you know, Oklahoma's fan or whatever. But you know you, you figured he was going to get his title, and 
you know, he didn't. Um, he had two wins over eventual NCAA champions with Jason Powell in 2004 and uh, Donahoe in 2007 and 15 career wins over guys that finished top five at nationals that same season. And he lost the, he lost the Donahoe in OT, I think, right? 3-1 OT? Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, because I think, I think Donahoe hopped over a wizard, threw a leg in to get the uh, takedown. Yeah, look, you, any list, top ten list, like with this criteria that doesn't include Hayes Winkle, in my opinion, needs to be revisited. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to find you many lists without him. List? I mean, he may be. <laughs> he might be he up might there. He might be up there. <laughs> he's on mine somewhere. I think he's number 11. <laughs> All right, my number six, um, Ben, you already talked about this guy, and you said we may laugh at you for having him on there. Um, I think that's absolutely incorrect. Um, my number six is Mike Poeta from Illinois. Um, you know, you already said he was a, he had a career record of 105 wins, 14 losses. You already said he was a three-time All-American. He finished 3-2-2. Um, he was also a two-time Big Ten champ as well. Sometimes they say it's harder to win the Big Tens than in his yeah. national tournament. Um what really put him on this list for me, it, not only his college credentials, but what people don't understand is that Mike Poeta was an absolute badass in high school. He was the number one pound-for-pound recruit coming out of high school. Um, he was a three-time Illinois state champ. Um, when he left the University of Illinois at the time, he was second on the all-time winning percentage list. I think he's down to three now. I think Imar surpassed him, obviously. Um, you know, he had wins over guys like Jordan Lean, which he avenged the next year at the NCAAs, but he was just a victim to Jordan, having Jordan Burroughs in your weight class. There's a lot of guys that can, you know, speak to that. Um, Mike Poeta may actually be one of the most physically gifted athletic wrestlers that I've ever seen wrestle in the last 20 years, to be truthfully honest. For a guy that wrestled at 157 pounds, um, super fast, amazingly quick on his feet, um, had some great offense, and I was super shocked that he never won a national title. So, number six for me, I'm going to go with Mike Poeta from Illinois. I love it. I love it. Yeah, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think, Earl? I mean, I haven't talked about him yet, so I, 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 might, I might talk about him later. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? You know, you know who I'm going to talk about right now? Oh. Is Lance the Party Palmer, four-time Ohio right. State champ, always here for the gangbang. Hey, Earl, why don't you go ahead and drop a little nugget on how he got the nickname The Party? Um, yeah, so uh, he told me on the Sudden History podcast that they had some uh, freshman uh, orientation deal, and he showed up late, and you know the whole room turns around. And this was like a Ohio State freshman. It wasn't just you know wrestling team uh, orientation. It was a freshman class orientation, and so – the whole auditorium turns and looks at him and uh he says uh i'm here for the gangbang or something to that extent yeah and, he uh, is yeah he is and uh tom tom ryan wasn't too pleased with that for some reason really i i bet i bet tom <laughs> ryan's always down for a gangbang oh ben please no <laughs> I love Tom. He follows us on Twitter. We now pause for a <laughs> television okay. I think everybody knows that I'm kidding. We know Tom Ryan ain't down with gangbangs. But we're talking about consensual sex. We're not talking about anything. Just any talk about Lance the Party. All right, Lance the Party. Here's So there's a couple reasons why I have him on the list and with other people might not. Obviously, everybody knows he's a four-time All-American. He went four 
8-4-2. But let's talk about 2007 as a freshman. He finished fourth as a freshman. You know what? He finished ahead of Jordan Lean, who's a champ. He finished ahead of J.P. O'Connor, who was a champ. And the bracket also included champs Lean, Gillespie, O'Connor, and Dustin Slater, as well as Josh Shirella. To be able to take fourth in a bracket like that, you got to be pretty darn good, especially as a freshman. In 2008, this, I mean, this bracket has been debated for the test of time. I don't know if it's not the toughest bracket of all times. Listen to who's in this bracket. The champ was Metcalf. Second, who, who you know, Bubba Jenkins was second, who took who was a champ before. Jordan Burroughs, who was a champ, was third. Josh Sorello, the only non-champ who All-American, I believe, uh, besides uh, Lance. Darian Caldwell, J.P. O'Connor, and Dustin Slater. And then, um, you know, there's no shame in taking eighth in that bracket. So, you know, I know he had a low sophomore season, but look at that bracket. Um, you know, Palmer lost to Metcalf 3-2 to two in the quarters and then lost to Shirella and Schlater to end up taking eighth that year. But he had a tight one with Metcalf. 2009, again, he lost to Metcalf in the semis of the NCAA tournament 6-2. to two. And then to me, a head-scratcher, uh, Kyle Rochelle, 4-3. Uh, four to, four to 2010, I think he beat Metcalf in the Big Ted Finals. Earl, can you confirm that for me? Yep, he caught it. He was in a scramble, caught him on his back uh, late in the match. Yep. And then he lost to him 3-2 to two in the finals. To never be an all or to never be a national champ, he did finish ahead of a guy by the name of Frank Molinaro that year. So, I got the party Palmer is six. Maybe that's some Ohio bias, but I tell you what, what he did in two thousand seven as a freshman is pretty, uh, pretty legit. And and if you don't mind me piggybacking off you, Ben, I'm I'm sure you don't. No. Um. Uh. He out of the top fifteen guys I had, he was the only guy that didn't redshirt. Um. Yep. And then. You know, 14 of those 33 career losses he had came his freshman season, and nine of those came before the calendar year of 2006 was over. So he's one of these hyped-up freshmen, comes up, loses nine times before the end of the year, but, you know, somehow puts it together, you know, beats Ryan or, uh, Josh Torella uh, at one point that year and finishes fourth. So to me, the mental toughness that you have to – you know, go through to stay the course at that point in time. There's been a ton of guys that have been good uh, high school wrestlers that, you know, have been broken for the rest of their career, losing nine times before January. Yeah, I I went back and forth on whether or not to have Lance Palmer in my top ten. You know, I mentioned him as an honorable mention. Um, The fact that he was one of the few guys in college to beat Brent Metcalf says a lot about him. Now, let's – I mean – on one hand, you can say it was the only time he ever beat Metcalf because Metcalf beat him a lot. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you know, you can also say that he caught Metcalf on his back, but who cares? You wrestle the match, and sometimes that's how things end up. He still beat Metcalf, still won that Big Ten title, still went into the you know NCAA's as the one seed. Obviously, made the finals again, losing to Metcalf. The thing I think the ultimate reason that he was left off my list was because in watching his college career, he just didn't have the offense to beat a lot of the super upper echelon guys. Um, and I don't know, Ben, I don't know how, or I don't know how much you watched it back then, but man, he, he stalled a lot in matches to be truthfully he honest, man. Defense. Yeah. He had great defense, <laughs> but yeah, that's why he was left <laughs> on my, top. he was super good on top. You know, he could slow guys yeah, down. I mean, he, he had a lot of low scoring matches. He slowed guys down. Um, but there were times when a match would, you know, he would lose a match three to two and it was like, it was a pretty distant three to two, much like if you take a look at his loss to Metcalf in the finals, he lost on a minute and 27 seconds of writing time, I believe, but it was a pretty dominating three to two victory. Mm. 
And and I also to still talk about Palmer. Wanted to know if this you know may have changed the course of history. Him taking a red shirt because 2011 you got Dake and Molinero both at 49. He was two and zero as uh, Ben mentioned against Molinero. So you know what's Lance do against Dake? Um, and I think that Dake was probably stronger at the points where Palmer was stronger, but, uh, you know, I I don't necessarily see him taking down Dake, but it's at least an interesting debate. That is an interesting debate. I never, I never really thought about that to be truthfully honest. All right. So before we get into the top five, let's just go ahead and recap real quick. 10 through six Earl's 10 through six was Thomas Gilman at number 10, Robert Hamlin, at number nine, Nick Simmons coming in at number eight. Craig Brester at seven, just because he wanted to say breast. And then Sam Hayeswinkle <laughs> at number six. <laughs> uh, my 10 through six was Mitchell Port at number 10. Mike McMullen at number nine. Jake Percival at number eight. Tyler Caldwell at number seven. And Michael Poeta at number six. And then Ben's 10 through six was Tyler Graff at 10. Chris Flieger, the inside trip man, at number nine. Mike Poeta at number eight, Mitchell Port at seven, and Lance the Party Palmer at number six. That's right. You guys ready to get into the top five? Oh, baby. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. All right, Earl, kick us off. Who's your number five? All right. We've, we've, both you guys have talked about this guy. Uh, I think you knew I was going to have him somewhere pretty high, and that is Chris Flieger, uh, Mr. Inside Trick. Um, you know, I, I think one of you guys said he was one of my favorite guys to watch. Um, at that period of time. Um, so I'm not going to say, you know, reiterate all the stuff that you guys have said about him. Um, and most of my information comes from stats, but a couple of the anecdotes I have uh, from talking to Matt Valenti, Tom Clum, they both agreed nobody they wrestled in college kicked their ass like Chris Fleeker. Are you serious? And, they said that? Yep. That's and, awesome. And there, there's one or two other guys I talked to that said similar things, uh, you know, were from his era. And he was the dude, and those guys of that era didn't want to see on their side of the bracket. You know, he was the guy that would humiliate you and beat the crap out of you. Give us some stats on him, because I didn't give that many stats. So why don't you go through your stats? Okay, he's got a and, – and you guys mentioned he didn't have – he had that abbreviated junior season. So his win-loss record isn't that – astronomical but it's uh 86 and nine um six of his career six of those nine losses were to ncaa finalists um wow. he was undefeated coming into the 2003 championships as the top seed um each each season he competed he lost to the eventual ncaa champion with abbas lee and valenti um he had 14 wins over guys that would finish from third through fifth at nationals he had a 4-0 career record against Jason Powell, beating him three times in 2003. Oh, my goodness. That's insane. And he, he didn't. He kind of had an abbreviated senior season as well, trying to get eligible to to wrestle. And, Brandon, you had him as a honorable mention. I so did. We, but no, but I'm saying, so we all recognize that even though he wrestled only three years, he was, you know, top ten guy and never win it. Look, and I wanted to put him in my top ten, but I – I was trying to be a little bit different. There was some other yeah. guys, some homerism picks that I wanted to put on there, but I'm feeling a little uh, embarrassed that he's not in my top ten now. I mean, there's a case that to be he's made that so he could have been number one. Oh, yeah. If you're talking straight talent, 
him and then another guy I'll mention who's not my number one. I mean, they might be the best wrestlers. Like, if we're talking talent-wise, to never win it. All right, good pick, Earl. All right, so I'm going to get into my number five right here. Look, Ben's already said he's not even on his list. He didn't even make his honorable mention. I'm pretty sure he's probably not even on your list, uh, Earl. But if you think about what this guy has done, his trajectory from the time that he came into college to where he is now, the fact that he never won a national championship um, is a little bit baffling to me. So my number five is going to be James Green from Nebraska. Wrestled for Nebraska from 2011 to 2015. He was a four-time All-American. Now, granted, his freshman and sophomore years, he only took seventh. And then he followed that up with two third-place finishes his junior and senior year. He was only a one-time Big Ten champ, but let's keep in mind, at the weight class that he wrestled, the Big Ten was absolutely stacked (laughs) at 157 pounds. We're talking about guys like uh, Dylan Ness, Isaiah Martinez, um, what Taylor Walsh, St. John. I mean, there was a lot of guys yeah. around there that were really good. Um, James Green was only a one-time New Jersey State champ. He had a 148-8 high school record, but he was a senior national champ. He was a multiple-time university national champ. He's been a multiple-time world team member representing the United States. He's even won a bronze medal at the World Championships. Um, he actually... Oddly, if you think about it, he has more AA finishes than Jordan Burroughs. He even won more more matches in college than Jordan Burroughs. I think he won one more match than JB did. Uh, maybe that helps. That's an interesting stat. Wrestling in the Concies might do that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he is only the, I, I believe, I don't believe there's been another one since, but he's only the second four-time All-American in Nebraska history. Throughout his career, he had wins over NCAA finalists Jason Welch, Taylor Walsh, Derek St. John, and Dylan Ness. Um, the junior, his junior year, he was on an absolute roll. I think he was even the number one seed, if I'm not mistaken, at the NCAA tournament yep. until he ran into Dylan Ness in the corner finals oh, and bacon. got Gator Bacon and pinned. Gator Bacon. Yeah. The crowd went, went bananas. They did. They absolutely One of my did. favorite memories of, and not that I don't like James Green, but one of my favorite memories of NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, the place went nuts. Um, you know, he got pinned by Ness right there, but then after that, even to me, for the number one seed yeah. to lose in the quarterfinals, not only lose, but to lose via fall and then come back and not only take third, but he reeled off four straight bonus point victories to finish third. I mean, that says a lot about him. His senior year, I mean, he is basically a one hand to the groin, oh. run across the mat, ride by Isaiah Martinez from making the finals. Um, and I think he would have won the national title his senior year had he been able to pull out that semifinals victory. Um, so number five for me, man, I got to go with James Green. I know he wasn't ever a finalist. Um, you know, I know he doesn't have the crazy statistics like some of these other guys did, but what he's been able to do after college, winning that bronze medal, and the fact that if you think about it, he's still wrestling right now. He's still getting better, and he is owning the 70-kilogram weight class for the United States. So, James Green it is. Yeah, it was hard to leave him off. It, it really was. I had him as an honorable mansion. So, you know, it, it, it was definitely hard to leave him off. But the thing with me is, like, if I can't have Welch on, how can I have him on? Because, you know, Welch had more wins against him and also had a pretty darn good career. I, I just ended up leaving them both off. But, hey, there's no you, there's the great argument to be made. Uh, my number five, Brandon, I think you already had him on here. One of my favorite big men uh, from Northwestern, Michael McMullen. He went 3-2-3-3. Three, three, three. Again, you know, you guys see the trend that I like. One loss at the NCAA tournament in each of his uh, – 
career uh, trips to the tournament. 2012, he finished behind people that were two people that were eventual champs, Tony Nelson, who was like I said, basically the unbeatable before Gwiz, and then Zach Ray. So you know he finished third, and the only guys finished above him were champs. Uh, he also beat Gwizdowski there five to two or five to three, and finished ahead of uh, Bobby B. Telford, and uh, like I said, Gwiz. 2013, he lost to Nelson in the finals, but he did beat a very good Don Bradley three to one in overtime to make the finals in his only finals appearance. Um, in 2014, kind of was a disappointing NCAA tournament for him. He lost early, but he came all the way back to finish third. He beat a uh, beat Medbury. I think everybody knows that name. Um, he beat Medbury in that tournament. And then in 2015, we're thinking, you know, he's going to be able to get there and maybe challenge Gwiz. Loses the Coon 3-1 in sudden victory. I mean, just I remember that match. It was a tough match. And that was like David versus Goliath in terms of how big Coon was compared to McMullen. And if I'm not mistaken, Earl, you may recall this. I think McMullen went for a takedown in sudden victory, and, and Coon just kind of threw his hips right into him and took him down, didn't Exactly he? what happened, I think. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, pretty sure that's how that played out yeah um he he was go ahead oh i was just gonna say and he finished ahead of medbury telford and walls that year to end up taking third so you know four-time all-american only one loss a piece at the ncaa's that's tough to do for a big man i like him as number five yeah and it's funny you say that too in my opinion look i don't go back as far as maybe you do earl but like in the last 20 in the last 10 years it's kind of been a who's who for big man at the ncaa level i think the the level of big men that have been competing at the NCAAs has been truly remarkable, and the fact that he only had four losses at the NCAA tournament in four years is unreal. And correct me if I'm wrong, Earl, he was a pretty big recruit coming out of high school, like one of the biggest heavyweight recruits? Yeah, he was a top 15 to 20 recruit, I'd say. And, uh, yeah, he was he was one that uh, kind of narrowly missed my list. I, I still think he's, and obviously you guys probably do too, because of your rankings that he's the best heavyweight in the, you know, two thousands that hasn't won a title. Oh yeah. And, uh, for me, what did it was, uh, the big 10 championship his senior year was his only collegiate title. Um, you yeah. know, we're talking about good point, all the other tournaments. Um, but you know, he did, he beat Gwizdowski in the all-star classic that senior year. And it was, an unofficial match, of course, and it was used the experimental rules. I think with the with three point takedowns. Yeah, three point takedowns. But, uh, was there something else? There was, I thought there was another rule too. But yeah, we're getting off track there. But yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I really liked him and wanted him kind of to be higher than I actually put him. <laughs> yeah, but then you got to all bring facts to the whole party and say that he didn't didn't win a tournament. So don't you hate when you let facts get in the way of your argument? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Earl, man, kick us off. Number four, who you got, buddy? Number four. Um, this is Mac Loomis. Um, he was uh, <laughs> finished up at 174 pounds for Cordell, 150 and 12 record, three-time All-American going fourth, second, and fourth. He was a four-time EIWA champ, and since 2000, the only other guys that have done that were Cam Simaz, Travis Lee, Gabe Dean, and Deshaun Garrett three-time Las Vegas champion. Um, since then, uh, Steber's been the only four-timer. You had um, Ben Askren, Andrew Howe, Nashawn Garrett, and Dean are three-timers, three-time Southern Scuffle champion. Um, the only three-timers with him, Dustin Slater, Roger Kish, Ben Askren, David Taylor, Ed Ruth, Gabe Dean, and Alex Deeringer. 
Uh, twice he entered nationals as the undefeated number one seed. That was 2009 and 2010. He had a disastrous 2009 where he went 0 and 2 at nationals. However, he has one one of my favorite things. I'll probably throw out to you this whole time. Um, he was 0 and 2, but prior in the regular season, he had beaten the guys who went on to finish first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. He beat Jared King at the Scuffle, Andrew Howe at Vegas, Morningstar at the National Duels, John Reeder at the National Duels, and Andy Rendolph he beat twice. So to you know bring that to today's wrestling, that would have been like if uh, Nick Suriano had beaten, he beat the two finalists, but he would have had to also beat Gilman, Piccinini, and Joey Gantz. And you know, that's pretty insane. Nine of his 12 career losses came to guys that finished in the top three and five of his 12 losses came in his freshman season. And also uh, another little anecdote when I talked to Jordan lean and he would be able to articulate this much better than I would in a little Tennessee accent. But uh, I, I talked to him about moving up in weight, you know, because Jordan lean went to from 41 to 57 throughout his career. And he said, well, you know, I would have liked to go up to 65 my senior year, but the only thing is, is I wouldn't have started because I would have never gotten a take. I never got a takedown in the room against Mac Loomis the wow. entire time we wrestled. And that's Jordan Lean, uh, national you know, champ. NBA champion, talking. Yeah, yeah. time All-American. That's wow. insane, dude. Way yep. to hit us with some statistics there. I got to be honest with you, man. I didn't even think about having him on my he was, list. He didn't cross. He didn't cross my mind. But after you just said that, I feel rather foolish. Well, Earl tends to make people feel foolish with his knowledge. You guys are saying your guys, and I'm like, huh, well, maybe I should have had Nick Mullen, or maybe I should have had James Green on my list. Man. All right. I like it. Number four for uh, for Earl, Mac Lunas. He was. He was pretty damn good. I take him. All right. So my number four, I got back-to-back Nebraska guys here. I got to go with Brian Snyder. Oh, me too. Brian Snyder wrestled for Nebraska from 1999 to 2002. He has a career record of 136 and 11. He was a four-time All-American, finished fourth, fifth, and then he was a runner-up his junior and senior years. He was also a four-time Big 12 champ. I mean, he was number one on Nebraska's all-time winning percentage. Um, His two finals losses, and this is what really secured his spot at this level (laughs) for me, his two finals losses came both in the tiebreakers, one to T.J. Williams from Iowa, who I think only lost one match in college, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the other one was to Luke Becker. Um, who he'd beaten a couple times. Yeah, who he had wins over. Um, he was a three-time state placer in PA, one-time champ. Um, I don't know, man. Losing in the finals two consecutive years in the tiebreakers has just got to be heartbreaking. But So number four for me, I'm going Brian Snyder. Hey, let's keep that train rolling. Because number four for me, I have Brian Snyder. <laughs> I have Brian Snyder as well. Um, I'll just add a couple quick things. You know, his bracket in 1999 when he took fourth had Casey Cunningham in it, Clint Musser, Larry Quizzle, and Chad Kraft. In 2000, he beat Luke Becker for fifth and sixth. You know, and he said he'd end up losing it to him. Uh, made the finals in 2001. Lost to T.J. Williams in OT, as you said. Finished ahead of guys like Shane Roller, Luke Becker, Yoshi Nakamura, and uh, Gray Maynard, who you know wasn't the best college wrestler, but I like to say that because people probably know his name. And in 2002, lost to Luke Becker in OT, who he'd beaten before. Um, 
You know, you finish his get hit a guys like Nakamura, Roller, and Champ Ryan Bertine. You, fi- you know, I mean, it's hard to leave Brian Snyder off the list right there. I got to assume that he's on Earl's list. I have to believe it. You, you might be right. <laughs> All right, then take us to uh, number three. Okay, well, number three is a guy that uh, I think you were kind of embarrassed about having on the list, and I, I didn't see why, and that was Mike Poeta. Um, All right, good. I'm not you know, you talked about <laughs> uh, you talked about him, you know, the athleticism, you know, two Illinois guys that uh, Kyle Ott and him just seemed like the quickest guys that I had seen for their particular weight classes. Um, he had 105 and 14 record, uh, three-time All-American, third, second, second, uh, two Big Tens, two Midlands. Um, the sophomore year, he beat the eventual NCAA champion Trent Paulson at the Midlands. And you guys had, you know, also said that senior weight class, you know, um, everybody talks about 149 and how great that was. And mm-hmm. it was, but just the top half of that weight class with Burroughs, Lean, Gillespie, and Poeta is pretty damn impressive. Um, so his senior year, he came in as the two seed, was undefeated. Uh, he only wrestled, I think, from about January on because he had an injury that was lingering. Um, he defeated the returning NCAA champion Lean in the semis. Uh, his junior year, he defeated Gillespie, uh, the returning champion in Vegas, and 14 of his, actually, I'm sorry, seven of his 14 career losses came as a freshman, and that freshman year he wrestled at 65. They had a senior, Alex Tirapelli, who was starting at 57. Who was good. Who, even at the time, I kind of thought that Poeta may be the better answer because I think uh, Tirapelli ended up being banged up that year. So he made the round of 12 his freshman year, you know, up a weight class. And I'll close with him uh, talking to, I'm not going to say who it was, but one of his competitors over the years, he uh, labeled him to me as the fastest white guy he's ever wrestled. (laughs) Take that for how you'd like. I, I truly don't think people, I mean, unless you really watched him, you know, you can't, there's, I don't think I can speak enough to actually how, good he actually was I mean he was super super good super athletic um I mean look we already said pound for pound recruit coming out of high school I mean I this was a guy that was expected to win national titles yep all right so let's get to my number three uh my number three for me I think uh you hit on him earlier Earl um I don't even think he's on Ben's list but I gotta go Nick Simmons from Michigan State um, you already said he was a four-time All-American. Um, he took seven, four-four-three. He was a three-time Big Ten champ, which was a monster to do. Um, the th- things that really did it for me for Nick Simmons was the fact that in high school he had a two hundred eleven and zero record. He was a four-time state <laughs> champ in Michigan. Um, he had a hundred and seventy-eight out of two hundred eleven wins. hundred and seventy-eight of those came via pen. In fact. He even had 157 consecutive pins at one point in time That's crazy. in high school. Um, he won 18 matches at the NCAA tournament. He was a university nationals champ. He was a Pan Am champ. He took fifth place at the 2011 World Champions uh, World Championships after college. Um, some of you may remember that at the 2012 Olympic team trials, he beat 2008 Olympic champ Henry Cejudo in an amazing barn burner match. Um, awesome match. Awesome, awesome match. match. 
Um, and on top of that, he's been a multiple-time world-slash-Olympic team alternate. So my number three is Nick Simmons, to be true. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Nick Simmons isn't on my list. I think he's a bum. Um, what did what – did, uh, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Nick Simmons is a fantastic wrestler, four-time All-American, as you stated. He didn't make my list for various reasons. I can't even remember why because I've been looking at stats so long. But there was a reason why I left him off there. My number three is Veritas himself, John Trench. Uh, He wrestled for Lehigh from 2002 to 2005. He finished 2-2-3, and he actually missed his freshman year with a detached retina. And I think – at that time, before that happened, as a redshirt freshman, he owned wins over the 2001 NCAA first, second, fourth, and fifth place winners. Can you verify that for me, Earl? I, uh, that sounds correct. I it knew he true. beat the 2001 champion. Yeah. Okay, so that was so he didn't end up getting to compete that year, but let's just be say, safe to say he's probably going to make the finals, if not win it then. Uh, 2002, yeah. he, he lost um, You know what I thought was kind of an upset when uh, he lost to Kale Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he ran into Kale Sanderson, um, and he took second. 2003, I mean, he had a title wrapped up. I think everybody realizes the, what was that, kind of like a duck trip that Damian Hahn hit him on at the last second to take him down and steal that title for him. Uh, he took an Olympic red shirt in 2004, and then 2005, he lost the biggest head scratcher, I think, of of many people on this list. And when when he lost to, I think, the guy's name Stender from Northern Iowa, and Roseold ended up winning uh one of his first titles uh, that year. But I think when we're talking straight wrestling, similar to Flieger, but I think even better, when we're just talking straight wrestling ability, John Trench probably is the best um, guy to never win a title. And I would pretty much assume he's on everybody's list. I don't, we haven't heard Earl. But we haven't heard I, I, I think that's probably a good assumption. All right, so I think we're down to our top two, Earl. Ooh, baby. Who you got at number two? Um, I have Brian Snyder. And uh, you mentioned four-time All-American, also four-time Big 12 champion. Um, At that point in time, uh, the Big 12 was – it definitely wasn't deep because you only had five teams. But, uh, you know, it was arguably tougher to win a Big 12 title, uh, or at least you had, you know, better guys winning big 12 championships than big 10. Um, so he was a four time champion, highest winning percentage in school history, uh, 925, uh, out of his 11 career losses, only one was to a non all American. And that was Jimmy Arias in 1999, who actually was an all American the year before. Um, so, uh, let's see seven of those 11 losses were to guys that finished top three later in that same season you mentioned the two ultimate tiebreakers which is just horrendous um five and two career record against becker uh four and oh record against uh shane roller who was also one of the top guys of that time uh he was a top seed in 2002 and uh, was undefeated coming into that tournament his senior year that's uh brian snyder yeah i heard he was pretty good the doctor the doctor um all right yeah so my number two ben just talked about him um i'm going number two with john trench um i'm not going to add a whole lot more than what ben already said 
Um, he was also a three-time EIWA champ to go along with his three All-American finishes. I think there's a serious case to be made that he should have and could have won that as a freshman before he had the oh, yeah. um, the devastating injury to his eye. Uh, ben, you were absolutely correct. That freshman year, he did have victories over the NCAA first, second, fourth, and fifth place finishers. Um, also, other as a no- freshman, right? As a freshman. Um, also, other notable wins he had. Uh, he had a win over Lee Fullhart, who was an NCAA champ and who I think also beat out Kel Sanderson at one point in time for a world team spot. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, believe so. I know they, yeah. they were big-time rivals on the international scene. Um, and he also had multiple wins over three-time NCAA champ Jake Rochelle as well. So number two for me, John Trench. Okay, number two for me, I think um, I think we've all named him so far. He's uh, Sammy Hayeswinkle. Uh, went three 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 two. Another one of those guys that only lost one match at the NCAA tournament each year. I'm not going to go through you know his entire stats because you guys have already done that. But what's notable in 2007, you know he lost an OT to Donahoe. But you know who we finished ahead of? We finished ahead of Champ Nickerson, Champ Escobedo, Champ Jason Ness, and a guy by the name of Oberson Blanc as well. And he also finished ahead of Coleman Scotty and Nick Simmons in both tournaments that they wrestled them together. So, uh, you know what top ten list wouldn't be right without Sam Hayeswinkle? Uh, I would definitely agree with that. All right, so this is it. We're getting down to everybody's number one to wrap up this top ten. Earl, go ahead and take it away, bud. Okay, so drum roll, please. Uh, my number one is uh, Jimmy Goulibon. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, C. Piles might agree with you. I think he had him, what, preseason ranked number one <laughs> a couple of years ago. I know he did. <laughs> uh no, number one for me is a uh, guy you both mentioned, John Fringe. Um, let me see what I can find uh, that hasn't been talked about. Out of his 133-14 and 14 career record, two of those losses were his senior season by disqualification. Oh, yeah. Because um, uh, he, uh, he also had a suspension at one point that senior season for uh, he had getting a, a little rough Anchor with the guys. The yeah. Yeah. Um, he had 16 wins over wrestlers that would finish in the top six that same season. Three wins over eventual NCAA champions the same year. That was guy you alluded to, Mark Munoz, in 2001. And then Rochal, he lost, or he beat him twice in 2005, never lost to him. Um, the two-time Midlands champ, twice the top seed at Nationals. And six of his 12 losses were to NCAA finalists, three of them to Kale. And he lost to Kale. Um, it was one of his closest, maybe his closest match ever in college, six to one at the uh, All Star match uh, that senior season. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I don't want to be like Mister Plug Guy or whatever, but you listen to my sudden history interview with him. Um, I feel like it was one of my place where if you if you listen to just the tone of his voice talking about his career you know some of these guys kind of moved on and you know it's college anymore talking about some of this stuff it earl you're cutting in and out on us bud talking about some of these matches Earl, you're you're cutting in and out on us a little bit earl you there all right are you there i better now yeah that's better yeah, I think yeah. John Trench at, at number one, I mean, look, there's no shame in that. I think a case can be made that he should easily. be easily number one on anybody's list. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love it. 
Uh, well, my number one, Earl, you've already talked about him. Ben, you've already talked about him. Um, I was actually shocked, Earl, that you had him as low as six. Um, but my guy, Sam Hayeswinkle. Sammy. All right, and the reason why, it kind of goes back to that criteria. I got a couple of extra things I can say that you guys haven't already said. Look, he was 130 and 10 career record, I believe, approximately. Um, we said he was a four-time AA, only lost four matches at the NCAA tournament. He was a three-time Big 12 champ. Sam Hayeswinkle, coming out of high school, was a huge monster recruit. He was 140-0 in high school. But if you think about who he had wins in over in college, he had wins over Jason Powell, Matt Valenti, Kyle Lott, Nick Simmons, Troy Nickerson, Coleman Scott, Franklin Gomez, Chad Mendez. All of those guys were either national champs or finalists. Um, on top of that, what he's been able to do post-collegiately, he was a four-time U.S. Open champ. He won it twice in freestyle, twice in Greco. He was a university world Greco champ. He's been at least a nine-time national team member, and he was also a 2012 Olympian. So number one for me, I got to go with Sam Hayeswinkle. I was really shocked that he never won a title. But if you think about it back then, 125 was really loaded back in those oh, yeah. days. I believe no, a guy I, by I Ben Watson was in those class, brackets. Yeah. I, was in the, I was in the weight <laughs> class. <laughs> so that's my number one. Ben, who you got, bud? Finish it up. So my number one to finish it up, and this is going to be some that's probably going to make a lot of people angry, but you know what? It was a homer pick, and I got some justification for it. My number one is uh, Jacob Percival. Homer! Yeah, from, uh, from Ohio University. <laughs> Wrestled from Ohio University 2002 to 2005. He took a fourth, a fifth, and then he uh, was a finalist and then took a third. Uh, in 2002, as a freshman, he finished behind three champs and ahead of Jamar Billman. People probably know that guy's name as well as Mike Zadick. In 2003, again, he was behind three champs when he took a fifth. And then in 2004, when he made the finals, his only loss was to a champ, obviously, and an Olympian, and ahead of Bertine, Tirapelli, Hendricks, Paulson and a really underrated guy in Philip Simpson. And in 2005, he finished ahead of Paulson, Becker, and Stith again. I just thought that he had a really impressive career and had some really tough brackets at the NCAA tournament and um, overperformed in a lot of those brackets compared to what some people might have thought. Uh, you know, I, it, you're right. It's a homer pick, but I really like uh, Jake Percival. Hey, man, he was on my list. I'll tell you what, a name you mentioned, Jamar Billman. Yeah. For any of you, uh, well, never mind. I was going to say, that's high school stuff, but uh, I think there was some epic... He was an Easton guy, right? Yeah. Easton yeah. Guy. Epic, epic high school battles when Walsh Jesuit used to battle Easton, and Jamar Billman and Sonny Marchetti had some amazing oh, yeah. matches. Amazing matches. So yeah. I don't know if you can find yeah. them, but if you can, look them up. They were great matches. Hey, man, that was fun, guys. You want to run down our top five? Yep. We'll go ahead and give our... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and round out our top ten real quick. Again, Earl, you had Gilman... Robert Hamlin, Nick Simmons, Craig Brester, Sam Hayeswinkle, Chris Flieger at number five, Mac Lunez, Mike Poeta, Brian Snyder at two, and John Trend rounding out your top ten. For myself, I had Mitchell Port, Michael McMullen, Jake Percival, Tyler Caldwell, Mike Poeta, James Green at number five, Brian Snyder at four, Nick Simmons, John Trend, and Sam Hayeswinkle for my number one. Ben, you kicked yours off with Tyler Graff, Chris Flieger, Mike Poeta, Mitchell Port, Lance the Party Palmer, Michael McMullen at number five, Brian Snyder, John Trench, Hayes Winkle, and wrapping up with Jake Percival. 
I'll tell you, if there's one takeaway that I have from doing this research is that there has been a hell of a lot of good wrestlers in the last oh, yeah. 20 years or so that have not won a national title. What about you guys? Any takeaways? How many, many four-time All-Americans did we leave off the list? Tons. I mean, and these are people that four-time All-American, that, by any standard, that is an amazing career. An amazing career. And they're not, they can't even make the list. I mean, I can't. I, and, I, go ahead, Earl. Oh, no, just, uh, you know, and I hope that anybody's listening to this uh, gets this out of me. I'm sure you guys as well. You know, when we're listing these guys, um, you're having to really split hairs oh, and yeah. really be nitpicky when you're ranking these guys and leaving these guys off the list. And, you know, so I got the utmost respect for these guys, um, you know, that we have on the list and that we don't have on the list and whatever. So, you know, if, if I'm leaving somebody off the list, it's not that, you know, I thought they sucked or you know, whatever, no, anything like that, you know, you gotta, you gotta really be nitpicky when you're ranking guys, uh, you know, no, the caliber right. that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Look, and when the people listen to this, they're going to, you know, everybody's going to have their different opinion, but I challenge everybody that has an opinion to go do the type of research that Earl Brandon and I did and then formulate your own top 10 because it was really fun to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Anybody I'd listen love to, see to this? It. People did that. Anybody listen to this? Feel free to formulate your own top 10. Send us an email. You can hit us at the inside trip one at gmail.com. Earl, give them your email address again, please. Earl at d1collegewrestling.net. We'd love to hear from you. The research was a lot of fun. That's all I got for you guys today. You guys got anything else? That was a great time. Thanks again for uh, Earl Smith from D1CW. Did I get that right? <laughs> Joining us. <laughs> yeah, you got it. All right, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, you know, I just want to leave people with this that uh, we're talking about something else that could be pretty fun in uh, sometime in the near future. So I hope we uh, we get to do that as well. Oh, absolutely! Look, I've already been working on the criteria for it. I know you have too, Earl. We're gonna drop them with a fun podcast here in the future. It. It's gonna be awesome. But I'll try. <laughs> all right, that's all we got for you guys today. Episode number 32 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast in the books. And as always, Earl, don't wind up on your back, bro.